Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Blame Harry Styles, a podcast dedicated to the work of musician, model, and actor Harry Styles. This week in episode 25, we're going to take a deep dive into Harry's As It Was song and music video. My name is Key. And I'm Gray. And what do we blame Harry for this week, Gray? Okay, so I did the little decals from Pleasing on my nails. That's what they're called, right? They're like they're like the little stickers. Okay, so like nail art bloggers, I have seen call them decals. So okay, maybe I'm totally wrong. That's just my assumption. This might be like a like a like a simply nailogical YouTube thing. I don't know. I just thought that they were called (laughs) decals. They could be. That just sounds strange to me. But I I truly know very little about it. So yeah, I don't know. But anyway, the 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 pleasing nail polish uh comes with these flower decals and they fit on all of my fingers except for my pinky which is too small and i am just asking harry styles um why did you do this to me i wanted to have 10 dancing flowers on my fingers and instead i it only feels have targeted. eight it does it feels like a targeted attack um, no, and also I uh, blame him this week for uh, this monster document that we are about to talk to you guys about. Uh, Harry has decided to bless us with his art ho era, this era, and so we are going to get into all of that very soon. <laughs> it, it, it has taken some time to parse through. It's true. It's like exciting to think about the fact that if you're listening to this right now, you can see the runtime of this episode, and we have no idea how long it's going to go for. So <laughs> we have I no hope idea. It's pretty not extremely long, but we shall have yep. to see. So, Key, what do you blame Harry for this week? So, I blame Harry for something that I have never done in my life and I never will do again after this year, which is that I've been paying attention to news related to the festival Coachella. And (laughs) this week we've been hearing about, you know, Kanye dropping from the list of, see, I don't know, even know the festival terminology. It's just, just. He's like the lead festival something. Headliner, yeah. One of the headliners. He's on Sunday. Yeah, so he dropped out and then he's been replaced by The weekend. so there's a lot of stuff happening that I never would have paid attention to ever. It was Harry, (laughs) were Harry not headlining the festival, so as we record this, Coachella's gonna happen when? Next week? End? The the 15th and 22nd. Yeah, the the 15th and 22nd of April. So we have that to look forward to. I'm sure we will be discussing it as it all happens. But Mm -hmm. yeah, for right now, it's just, there's just so many questions in the air. Will we get a magazine profile? Do you already have one by the time you're listening to this episode? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) A lot of question marks here. So many question marks. What is the internet discoursing about uh, by the time we release this episode? Send us an email about it. Tell us how the internet has changed since uh, this episode has released. And that includes all of our listeners in the far, far future. Okay, so moving on to our main segment. Uh, Again, we are not going to cover the news because uh, the news is constantly changing and also we don't have time. If you are listening to this, know that we are sure that Harry News has happened uh, in between the time when we recorded this and when it's dropping, but uh, we have to, we we have to move on 
<laughs> we do. <laughs> it just seems insane that like the last time we recorded this podcast, like we did not have the lead single from this album, and now we do have it. It's just like very bizarre. It's it's really crazy. Yeah, and that is what we will be discussing this week. Of course, is the lead single off of Harry's House as it was, and the accompanying music video. So we're really just going to get right into it because there's so much to discuss here that we do not want to have any more preamble. So great. We're going to start out with a song here. What did you first think of the song when you first heard it? My first thought about the song was uh, when the preview for the song came out. I was so mm. excited because the song was New Wave. It's a New Wave 80s song. And I heard the little preview and I was like, Ah, like freaking out and uh i was like oh my gosh he got really into new wave into quarantine that's uh it's really fun because uh, it's not really a genre that he's explored before and then uh i obviously heard the song when the music video released and i thought it was great right away i watched the whole music video me and a friend came over to my house and we watched it and then we immediately watched it all again. And I was just like, full child of the 80s moment, some aha realness, uh, <laughs> very catchy. I was chatting with a friend today and I was just like, so basically a lot of these 80s new wave bands, they lived, served cunt with one <laughs> single that is like amazingly addictive and then they died. And I heard this song and I was just like, Harry bottled it. I'm like, he has like the energy of that, but he also has like this big sexy career alongside it. How did he do mm. that? I'm so impressed. Um, wow. The general public, including I hear TikTok seems to agree. Um, <laughs> I hear. <laughs> I, I I hear. I'm, I'm not on TikTok. Millennials on TikTok is a contentious issue and why I don't feel like taking sides on publicly. <laughs> um, and with that, uh, Key, we will ask, what did you think of the song when you first heard it? Yeah, so it's like, it's, it's really hard for me, I guess, to separate my thoughts on the song from the video because I did not listen to the song before I watched the video. So it's like, even now when I hear the song in my head I like think of the video it's like very part and parcel to me but yeah when I try to just give my initial impressions of the song I, I feel similarly I really really like it I love a synth pop moment um I love an 80s vibe I yeah I, I really dig that aspect of it I think that it does remind me kind of of a little bit of a like it reminds me a little bit of blinding lights which was so successful last year or maybe I don't know if it was last year, time is an enigma and time is fake. But yeah, just kind of like that synth pop vibe is mm -hmm. something that I really, really like. And I'm interested to see kind of like where that's echoed on the rest of the album. Like if this is an outlier, if this is in keeping with the rest of the songs that we're going to get. But yeah, I, I liked it. I found the, the lyrics really intriguing and we'll get into a lyrical analysis of it shortly. But there's certain lyrics that I just really struck me and really surprised me because they're just specific in a way that like I I'm not so sure that Harry has reached for in the past or at least like I don't know we'll get into it but yeah there's a couple lyrics that just surprised me when I heard it initially yeah so I, I really really liked it what I'll I will say and I, I do want to start this off on a positive note and I'm not going to be like I feel very positive on the song in the music video lights up is like so foundational to me as like my Harry origin story 
and as like the first single from Fine Line that it was tough to get past like that extremely special experience that I had with Lights Up to like Mm -hmm. have now this new experience of this new album in the first single so I'm still there's a little bit of me that's like (laughs) seeing all the success of the song I'm like but Lights Up deserved but yeah no yeah (laughs) we we will we will interrupt this to say yeah when i was creating this document this week this entire time was going lights up deserved because (laughs) because as it was like it got crazy coverage and like it's going off gangbusters and i think that lights up is equally good like i and i think that lights up in many ways i guess taking chances that as it was isn't taking for example like you know, I feel like as it was sounds a little more similar to some of the things that are on the radio right now. And I guess that's why, like, it yeah. all makes sense that this is kind of why and how it happened. And, and for that reason, it totally makes sense for him yeah. to release it as the first single. And it's a very good move. Yeah. And I, it's a very, very catchy song that I've been listening to again and again. Yeah, um, it's great. It's, uh, yeah. it's but it, it is, it is like, lights up, baby, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You deserve yeah. better, sweetie. <laughs> I I do. That is definitely yeah. That is definitely a feeling big, I have. Big but yeah, feeling. I I I'm really excited to get into it and to get into the lyrics and the music and the music video and everything because it's just I don't know. It's just so exciting to have like the first thing and like everything is. Yeah. It's like. Like I was, I was just thinking because we keep getting these doors every single day, right? Uh, through the UR right. Home account, we keep getting these doors, and I'm like, I'm so glad that we have that because I'm so impatient now. I'm like, right. we we had this song and music video for like two days, and I was like, I I'm ready for the second one. Like I'm right. <laughs> like it's it made me so excited to receive everything that we're gonna get in the future, and I don't know, I'm just I'm just raring to go at this point for the album. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely very very exciting. Although sometimes the door will just drop, and it's like. What are you trying to say? Like yesterday, <laughs> yesterday the door opened and it was like a stack of magazines. And I was like, okay, are you hinting that there's going to be a magazine? Are you magazine baiting me now? And like, <laughs> there was no magazine that day. And then there was no magazine today. And so I'm like, what's the deal here? Come on. Maybe like- it's just that he read magazines in quarantine. <sighs> and that's what that's a reference to. Well, he should, instead of reading them, he should be on the cover of them. <laughs> Because <laughs> I yeah, come on, Harry, get on the cover of a because magazine already. I I want him to give an interview where he says vague things, uh, <laughs> and I can pretend that he said something. <laughs> wow, love that. Yeah, we will get into some of the vague things that Harry said about this song throughout yes. this episode. Yes. But uh, yeah, we have we. It's a good point that we have not at this point gotten like a profile of some kind, and maybe that'll Which age like make, and we'll get one tomorrow. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting to not have that kind of like I felt like going into fine line like we had the Rolling Stone profile where Rob Sheffield like did write a little bit about the music that was coming and we have like none of that. So although Rob, I think, did talk a little bit about it in his review of as it was. Oh, <laughs> so we Rob, have like that. Rob Sheffield bit. has definitely heard Harry's house. And I'm like, yes, bestie. <laughs> bestie you're just gonna like sit here yeah you're just gonna sit here in your first review and be like oh by the way harry's house is um better than you're even imagining and i'm like okay but like we get it you're friends with harry we get it whatever (laughs) it's fine rob and i are actually best friends since he reported on us for harry ween pride so uh, that's true 
and I know that he remembers my Twitter account. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure now that you have a different username and uh, icon, I'm yeah. sure that he recalls you very well. Anyways, we're getting two in the weeds. Gray, what were your thoughts on the video? <laughs> yeah, so my first thoughts on the video were that it was really nice to look at. And, well, so I, ha- I have more complex thoughts than the first thoughts that I had. Some of the f- first thoughts that I had were like, oh, he's stripping. Like, <laughs> you know, he's there's definitely a part in there where he's stripping. I really like his dance and his choreography. He's wonderful. Um, I was nervous, definitely, about honestly, like, not liking it. Because, like, when you put a lot of, like, stock in something sometimes you can get let down but like i loved it it was it was wonderful and it wasn't really like what i was expecting like i feel like i I, i'm frequently surprised by harry and he surprised me this time and that was dope yeah i totally feel that i feel like this is a music video that like has really rewarded digging deeper into it and we're going to discuss all the different like artistic references in the music video and all the different elements throughout this episode but I, I really, really liked the video the first time I watched it. I thought it was visually very beautiful. And I did feel like it kind of carried across the meaning of the song. But yeah, I, I do feel like there's a lot that I missed the first time around that then rewarded kind of rewatching it. So that's been kind of a nice process over the last week. Um, yeah, to kind of just see the interviews coming out about it, to read people's thoughts and interpretations, I do feel like there's there's a lot behind these these visuals and these images that that I'm excited to dive into. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so speaking of the contents of the song itself, um, essentially what, how we're going to talk about the song and the music video because they're so intertwined is we're going to do a lyrical analysis. We're going to talk about some of the themes of the song, and then we're going to uh, round it out with a conversation about the music video and how everything all ties up together in Harry's juicy brain. So starting with a lyrical analysis, I'm going to read the lyrics and then he and I will interject with some thoughts that we had about the lyrics before we kind of condense it all into bigger themes. So the intro is unique. Come on, Harry. We want to say goodnight to you. Come on, Harry. We want to say goodnight to you. Does does the child have a British accent? Yeah. Is Ben Winston British? Yes. (laughs) Yes, okay. he is. Well, I wasn't sure. I guess if Harry lived in his attic, then he would be he would be British. Yes. Okay. Yes. He's British. Okay. All right. So we're we're discussing throughout what Gray just said that that Ben Winston, who has worked with Harry multiple times, yes. both during One Direction, was the producer of the last Grammy Awards. Oh, and 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 Harry's Harry's produced sitcom uh, Happy Together. He also produced that. So <laughs> wow, can't uh, forget about that. Ha- can't forget about that. We will cover it someday in full episode we- by episode. That's <laughs> <laughs> questionable. But yeah, so. Ben Winston's daughter Ruby is the little voice here to start the yes yeah to start the song. I'm I love this so it's much. It's so great, and he actually did speak on this on the radio. He clarified, uh, "It's my goddaughter." At the start of the song, she got a streak of calling me every night before bed, and I missed it once. And she wanted to let me know that she was quite angry with me. It's just so cute. It is so cute, and I just he he had said that um basically that he added it later into the song process and that it just fit and i i totally 
get why he felt that it fit because as we'll see throughout this some of the main themes of the song are isolation and communication Mm -hmm. and i feel like you know we'll talk about some of the imagery this matches up with later but uh definitely there's this feeling that he can't reach in some ways even like this most like innocent basic form of communication which is like a a kid wanting him to pick up the phone i i feel like that's pretty poignant and something i think that a lot of us who were isolated um in the past few years have experienced yeah totally yeah i agree with that and i and i think like i don't know when i first heard that intro i i thought like i just assumed that they had a kid go and like he like wanted this in the beginning that Mm -hmm. that they then just like had a kid record it and put it in the front which i thought was fine and i felt like like everything that you're saying like the substantive like message of that lyric and like how it fits into the song it all kind of ties together but it made it so much more special to know that this is like an actual thing that Mm -hmm. like ruby left him specifically and so now whenever i listen to it i just like it makes me so happy and I smile yeah. so much at the beginning of the song just because like, I don't know, just that little tidbit of like imagining like him having this conversation with this little girl every night and like her being so mad that he missed it that one night. I don't know. It's just yeah. so special. It's, it's, it's interesting too. And we'll talk about kind of some of the themes of vulnerability within the music. It's uh it's, it's interesting that A, he clarified right away that it's his goddaughter rather than being vague about it. B, I think this is the first Harry song and definitely the first Harry single where he's used his own name. And it's in like the first line mm. of the song. So I do I do find that interesting just in a sort of like taking ownership way. I'm not really totally sure uh, if there's like deep, deep meaning in that. But I do find it interesting that his, his name is used twice in this song. We'll talk about it being used later but um yeah Yeah, i I also think there's like this and we're we're gonna i i hate having to say 1800 million times throughout this podcast we're gonna bring it up later but it's like so many of these things are gonna recur but there's this interesting like thing in this song about like specificity versus like vague lyrics kind of and like the really the only critique that i've heard of this song is that it's that some of the lyrics are vague and like I, i don't even necessarily agree that that's like something to criticize but I think this opening little voice note is just so specific and it's like Mm -hmm. such a specific real thing from his own life. So to include that, I think, yeah, it just adds so much and brings such a richness to these lyrics and like, yeah, makes you kind of think about it in the context of that voice note throughout the whole song. So it reverberates throughout for me and it's, yeah, the reason why we're spending so much time on this one little lyric is because it does kind of set the tone. Yeah, and because Harry has spoken on it, uh, all right, so we'll get to the next line. So, uh, holding me back, gravity's holding me back. I just find that to be like, you know, gravity's a natural force that you can't really fight against. Um, the alternate is flying, uh, which is often associated with happiness, but it can also be kind of associated with like free floating and like kind of like anxiety. So it's not really sure. And when we get to the end of the stanza too, it's not really sure if like the gravity holding him back is like a positive or a negative, I think. Mm. Um, it reads like lost to me, yeah. Um, especially kind of coupled with this following line, I want you to hold out the palm of your hand. Like I think of somebody like 
reaching for someone that's lost maybe and like Mm -hmm. i guess yeah that's a little different because you think gravity is like grounding you which seems like maybe it would be positive but yeah i guess maybe when you're thinking to distract yourself or you're trying to get taken away by something that that then being held down in that way is like Mm -hmm. a restriction and Mm -hmm. you can see kind of you know in the music video there's like some restrictive like imagery and and things like that too so maybe that's something running through it yeah definitely um yeah so for the next line uh i want you to hold out the palm of your hand why don't we leave it at that we are including some commentary from genius.com in here as well because we kind of figured you know some people are definitely reading that and might want to know what we think about it so um genius said that this can be interpreted as him asking someone to reach out um specifying the palm of the hand implies it being a helping or caring man manner also being in the palm of someone's hand can mean being under their control or giving them your full attention so it could refer to the feeling of missing the person's influence personally i kind of feel like it's more tied to the first line where it's talking about there's this unsureness again whether he wants the hand to ground him instead of the natural force of gravity or whether he's hoping like grabbing onto the hand will help him like float away you know if it's Mm -hmm. this force taking him out of the situation um so i guess there is some like there's a lot of push and pull in in that line reading of the song i think yeah and it recalls like when you think about so many of Harry's songs, this being no exception, are kind of about communication or like mm-hmm. the difficulties in communication, lack of communication. Like, and even when you think about the opening voice note, like, come on, Harry, we want to say goodnight to you. It's like somebody reaching out right. to him to connect and attempting to. And this is kind of like this line is another example of that. So you yeah. think about, I think, you know, I guess we should just say it here that like this song is so riddled with like quarantine isolation COVID-19 mm-hmm. themes to me um and and this is something that like reviewers did discuss but I think probably less blatantly than I read it which is like yeah, I think exactly. this song is so wrapped up in that and so I think like obviously isolation communication difficulties in communication like all of this is so wrapped up in that so that's definitely what I think of when I think about this lyric for sure Yeah. And the theme of communication comes in in the next line, uh, nothing to say when everything gets in the way. Harry in the past has often talked about, we don't talk about it. We don't talk enough. Here he's saying there's nothing to say when everything gets in the way. So all of these things are, you know, communication based. I don't really have a ton to add on to that, but um, it's just interesting to see a theme that recurs throughout his work. Yeah. And you think of like, I think it's interesting that there's this desire for people to reach out, but Mm -hmm. then there's nothing to say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, that reminds me of the music video. And so like, again, we're going to, we tried to break these things up, but they're so integral and integrated in my mind to like Harry and the dancer in blue, like, continually going past each other and like right when they connect they disconnect it's that like trying to reach out trying to communicate and you might be successful for a second but then you're not because there's something stopping you that's like very much the push and the pull that i see from this lyric well i'm also back to the pandemic conversation i feel like this is one of those lines where people can relate to maybe this experience where 
Totally. I, like back when you were, you know, FaceTiming your family or your friends and you're just like, so what's going on with you? And like nobody's doing anything because you're all like hiding from a disease. Um, mm. So I, I feel like, you know, nothing to say when everything gets in the way. Like you can read this as like, dual um as a dual reading of like, yes, this can be read into a relationship, but also I feel like it's very clearly about life experience as well. Personally, that's how I, how I see it. I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel like there's more than one meaning to a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next line is seems you cannot be replaced and I'm the one who will stay. Um, so I feel like this is referring to, you know, like, there's a there's a contrast here between like he's recognizing that there's like genuine love and connection but also i guess like resigned to the situation i don't know mm. what what what, is, what are your feelings about this because i find it to be a very curious line seems you cannot be replaced and i'm the one who will stay the the thing that jumps out at me is that and i'm the one who will stay line like i think like so with Harry's face in the music video, with the way he's singing these opening lyrics, this is not like a happy mm-hmm. opening few verses. Like this is like seems kind of resigned, seems kind of sad, seems kind of isolated. And this and I'm the one who will stay line to me is like if you're thinking about people coming together and apart and like reaching for somebody while you're being weighed down, there's like an I'm the one who's going to stay and like maybe somebody else is leaving or like there's this it's all about this like together and apart thing mm-hmm. now the seems you cannot be replaced line is the line that's like a question mark for me i'm not yeah that's the one that kind of like is interesting that i might have to think on a little bit more yeah i i've definitely tried to parse through stuff and we're also we are also trying to cover this song with the recognition that we are not a podcast that digs too deeply into harry styles personal life as much as some of the you know very detailed articles (laughs) that we perused for this got into if you want to read takes that include you know i feel like accurate celebrity gossip we will be linking them in the description but we will not be necessarily diving into that specifically Um, yeah not deeply but i mean (laughs) we like obviously we know and everybody listens to this podcast knows that like harry is in a romantic relationship and so of course because this is a song at least i think it's a song about being in relationships plural right during the pandemic and during times of isolation and Mm -hmm. you know that obviously includes a romantic relationship as well and so when you have him bringing in ruby his goddaughter and also you know later in the song more specifically i think that a romantic relationship and then later perhaps his relationship with his father like i think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there are all these questions of like communication and push and pull in relationships like in all of these different types of relationships so i think like to be honest about that in forthright is is to respect the level of honesty that the song takes to that as well yeah we don't you know it's not like him being in a relationship is a dirty word to us either i'm very happy for him but i just want to make it clear (laughs) that i do think that there is you know it's not just like necessarily like a one-to-one oh this is about x person oh this is about x thing you know yeah okay so um now we're getting to the chorus in this world it's just us you know it's not the same as it was so uh, I'm about to get a little galaxy brain on everybody. Uh, everybody's about to get on my level. 
So I feel, and I feel like this permeates through some of the earlier lines too, so feel free to let this interpretation color the other things that I have said up to this point. But I think that this line is essentially like, it's not like a double entendre, it's like a quadruple entendre, where he's kind of, he, there's the capacity for him to be meaning four different things at the same time, which is awesome. So here within the context of the song, Harry is speaking to his lover, claiming that it's just about the two of them and it's not the same as it used to be. But he also sounds like unsure of this fact in the song. Um, and he's not sure that if it that if it potentially is him repeating his old patterns, we can kind of see in the music video the suggestion that he is repeating old patterns as he's singing mm. that it's not the same as it was before. He the the song is also um very vulnerable and the way it is presented is communicating with the audience that it's different and more candid than his previous work. Um it's a new era and he has changed and has decided to at least for this song to be vulnerable. And it's also finally since the last time he released music, uh, a lot in the world has mm. changed and it's a pretty universal experience that has changed. It's like a, you know, like a global experience. So this song is also recognizing that if things are not the way they used to be, it's not the same as it was, but that in singing the song in this moment, it, it is, there is kind of like a sense of like, I see you like, and right now you're like listening to this music and you're kind of like not thinking about other things. You're just like listening to the song and this song sees you. I, I don't know. It's a point I, of connection. Yeah. I, this is a point of connection. So I guess those are my four main thoughts on that. And I, I feel like, I feel like you can see kind of, up to this point, hopefully, like how those themes can resonate through the lyrics that we've also already discussed. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, I, I totally agree. I think all of those interpretations work. I think there's this element of us against the world mm-hmm. here. And that, like, I think about that in terms of like a romantic trope. And I think about that as applied to what you were talking about before and kind of the idea of like celebrity in that respect as well. But then also the pandemic and like everything that tries to pull you apart from someone and tries to isolate you. And that's a lot of things that's, you know, there's so many things that could contribute to that. But I think about that when I think about this lyric. And yeah, I don't know. I think that in this first chorus and how this kind of goes into the music video, this is like kind of a sad refrain. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it's not the same as it was. So it it calls us to ask like, you know. To, to think about that transition into what might have happened that could have caused caused this change. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's like this is one of those choruses that I think you're right, that like it means so many different things at the same time, which kind of necessitates that it's like a little bit vague, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean at all that I have trouble like relating to it. In fact, I don't at all. And I think the kind of universality of that it's not the same as it was message is like it's like harry said in one of his interviews like i do think that's something that is useful right now and is to kind of have that as a constant refrain is like i don't know it's just the kind of message that obviously we all can relate to right now so yeah Yeah. and I, i guess for me when i'm thinking about writing 
I feel like there is definitely a difference between unintentional vagueness and intentional vagueness. So for unintentional vagueness, you know, you're not really curious about what's beneath. It's not like there's like multiple meanings. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of empty. With Mm. intentional vagueness, I feel like it's not something I would really say is necessarily vagueness so much as it's open to interpretation. There's multiple meanings that are possible and there's multiple meanings that are probable. Um, I feel like definitely in this song, you get a lot of indications within the music itself. For example, the chiming bells during this very chorus later uh, that suggest you are supposed to read this in different ways throughout even the song itself. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. He he wrote it with intentionality, I think. Yeah, and I just think of like, I don't know, there's all these like, yeah, I, I love the, I, I don't even know if I'd thought, like, Gray did so much work on this outline and I'm so grateful for that and like, I've thought about this song, but yeah, that, that in this world, it's just us, the kind of like meta, like big us interpretation of that, I think is like, I don't know, something that I really like that's... Yeah, not not something that I'd exactly thought of in that way. So it's it's really useful, I think, in terms of looking at yeah this whole song. Really, can I just pause for a second and talk about like the rhythm of this? Because I read it and I feel like it has a different rhythm than when he sings it, and I really like the rhythm when he sings it. But I'm not like I'm not like specifically a songwriter. If there's anybody who is a songwriter who can tell me why the rhythm when he sings this is so good, <laughs> like if you could, if you could help me understand, you know, it's not the same as it was. How he makes it, he he maybe emphasizes the syllables in a, in a way that like makes them pop. Yeah, and the tune on this is great too. Like the I always think of like. In this world, it's just us. The second time he says that, the note is like a different note than what you would expect. Like, I think there's like a natural way that you'd expect that second refrain of that to go and to sound. And it's not the note you expect, Mm -hmm. which I think we'll talk about the music in a little bit. But I just think about that in the ways that the song kind of surprises you and emphasizes that kind of like off kilter Mm -hmm. sensibility that I think it has. But Yeah. yeah. Because I feel like, you know, this isn't necessarily like as a unique line, the most like complex line that is ever written, but I feel like contextually, it's so interesting. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. This song is so good. I'm sorry. We have to move on. It's like, listeners, it's like, it's like 12, 14 in the morning on a, a, technically it's Thursday now. So we, <laughs> we got to get through it. <laughs> We're trying to get through it. Okay. And this next, this next verse is like the most talked about verse. So, yes. Or one of. So it's we got we to get to it. It's talk of the town. Okay. So verse two, uh, answer the phone and then quotation marks, Harry or no good alone. Why are you sitting at home on the floor? What kind of pills are you on? So obviously you can see some people found this line to be interesting intriguing it's just one of the more specific lines of the song like there's not too many ways that i think you can interpret this i think like in terms of isolation and communication like that's all this verse is about like harry you're no good alone like why are you sitting at home on the floor i think 
how could you not just think about isolation and COVID and the pandemic? And I know maybe the reason why reviewers aren't talking about it as much is because they're tired of talking about it. And that's like all we've talked about for like years at this point. But I don't know. I just, but that's like so But when somebody's making art about it, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe there's like this difference between, you know, talking about the pandemic as, as stalling art and then this pandemic art that's like processing it. And I do feel like this song is very much a processing song, not an not an uh, immediate crisis song, um, right. which I find to be very interesting. And which I do separate it a little bit from some of the other music that I've I've heard. I feel like this is one of the one of the albums where it really is like I don't know. Like obviously, it's not post pandemic the world that we're living in, but it is it is different now that there's like vaccination and you know certain things at least in some parts of the world yeah so i definitely was reminded of uh from the dining table thinking of i fell asleep and got drunk by noon i've never felt Mm. so cool maybe because i found that line to be relatable myself in quarantine (laughs) and so it's it's like why are you sitting at home on the floor what kind of pills are you on it's like you can tell like he knows it's not good. <laughs> and yeah, I I definitely have, you know, in, in the pandemic, it had certain times where I did certain coping mechanisms. And I was like, this is not good. I shouldn't be doing this. I, and this is making no claims here or there what Harry Styles coping mechanisms are. Although, yeah, but what, in the song, the be. song explores that idea for sure. The song itself explores that Harry may have had some sort of negative coping mechanism to cope with isolation and like every person in my life also had that so (laughs) so relatable came (laughs) and this makes me think of like i guess because i was trying i'm trying to suss out the scenes like you can seems you cannot be replaced line and it kind of you could think about these two lines in tandem maybe too about looking for ways to replace Mm. that connection yeah um, and looking for ways to kind of like you know sublimate that and like mm-hmm. it not really succeeding like I, I think yeah i think you can think about those lines together too love that juicy brain i hear it working <laughs> i love it key we are <laughs> vibing okay so now uh it's ringing the bell and nobody's coming to help your daddy lives by himself he just wants to know that you're well first the Bell representing human connection and love comes through in the music later, which I find interesting. And nobody knows what he means by daddy. Is he talking about his own dad? I feel like probably. I feel like it's his own dad. I feel like probably. He, do you think that it could be the public universal daddy, the, the, the general dad of everybody in society? So Gray put this in that line and I was like, um... I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I I feel pretty like I just taking this song, you know, as we've been talking about, like taking all these different kinds of relationships, familiar relationships, romantic relationships, like and how this song is kind of about connecting and disconnecting and isolation and the things that you do to get through isolation. Like how I would interpret this line is your daddy lives by himself. He just wants to know that you're well. It's like this constant reaching out to Harry, the narrator of the song. Um, this is just another example of that ringing the bell nobody's coming to help like that's another example yeah. of that I, I 
did also just want to touch on here, like ringing the bell and then having that immediately followed by like the bell-like sound. Not the like the Christmas bells later in the song, but there's like a little bell that bell like maybe it's a th- synth that comes in here that it's just my favorite part of the song. So I know we, we I know we said that we talk about the music later, but I did want to yeah. shout it out at this moment because that's just like my favorite part in the entire song is like that little th- noise that comes in here that continues throughout the rest of the verse. So. Yeah, I love this verse. Yeah, I, I I do find like this to be quite relatable too. I mean, like there's there's just this overarching theme of like pandemic alienation. And I do think that like a lot of people have had this overall experience, you know, struggling to figure out like who are, are my loved ones who are who are safe to be around and like trying to accept the care that you're offered even if you're afraid uh having frayed relationships because of different stressors or distance um having negative coping mechanisms and embodying that in the image of a parent i feel like is very powerful because parents are at least you know supposed to be the people who at the end of the day really care about you Mm. yeah agreed so after this then he does the chorus again then we have this little bridge which I hear has been going viral on TikTok. Oh, the bridge. What a bridge this is. The bridge. Oh my goodness, the bridge. Go home, get ahead, lightspeed internet. I don't want to talk about the way that it was. Leave America, two kids follow her. I don't want to talk about who's doing it first. So I kind of feel like the first line of this is describing a negative experience. And by the third line, maybe life is turning around a little bit. Oh no. Mm. So go home, get ahead, lights, the internet. I can't speak for everybody, but I heard this line and I was like, that sounds a lot like my pandemic experience. You know, you go home and you just work and are extremely online all of the time. And all of another coping mechanism. Yeah. Wonderful coping mechanism where all of, because all of your friends and family are on the internet. So you just kind of hang out there and it sucks. Um, and I don't want to talk about the way that it was. And I'm like, me neither, King. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> Leave America. Two kids follow her. I don't want to talk about who's doing it first. Now, I feel like this line has def- definitely is talking about a very specific experience. Yeah, I just think it's like, like we said before, like, I think obviously we are aware of the fact and you are probably if you listen to this podcast that Harry is in a romantic relationship. So I think much has been made in the coverage and tabloid coverage of the song and video what that line refers to. I guess this was what I was referencing at the top of this episode in terms of like such a specific detail about Harry's life that I I think I was kind of surprised to hear from the first opening single of this album. Yeah, so I I find it really interesting from that perspective. But I think from what you were saying, it it does speak to the kind of like, I'm really interested in the I don't want to talk about who's doing it first line. Yeah, me too. Is, Is that, do you think that that could be like, I don't know, when you're in a romantic relationship and you're trying to decide, like, what level of relationship are you at for something to happen? Like, Mm. for somebody to do something first or, like, say something first or, like, you know, there's kind of that you're you're kind of, like, testing each other out. It's, like, what I sort of thought of in the context of the previous line, but obviously there are other interpretations. What are your your kind of thoughts on that? That's really interesting because I... I think that that's definitely a valid interpretation, but it's not the one that I personally had. 
The mm-hmm. one that I personally had is kind of, I was thinking back to Harry's other songs where he's talked so much about being the person who is giving it all in the relationship to somebody he fears cannot actually give it 110% back and him kind of being like resigned to that and him kind of like being this person who feeling like he would move mountains for this other person and like not really expecting that in return but here Mm. he's speaking of a lover who is like literally like bringing her kids along with her and kind of like when you're with somebody and the partner has kids like that is a like a big step if you meet them and if you are involved in their life in some way and so Mm -hmm. I feel like for Harry who has talked about in other songs you know him feeling like he has gotten involved fast that noticing that perhaps somebody else has that same energy in the relationship is both exciting but also probably frightening um to have that energy aimed at him and it he seems after this bridge to be very happy so if yeah this is definitely the turning point like yeah it's the turning point in the song the music video for sure yes what i like about this too is that there's like a choice being made like i think i don't want to talk about the way that it was Mm -hmm. i don't want to talk about who's doing it first like i see what you're saying from like the negative to the positive i also think there's like and I see this reflected in the music video, like a, a choice mm-hmm. to kind of flip this whole thing on its head and think about things in a different way and to maybe approach things in a different way. And so it's very satisfying at this moment in the song that's then yeah. followed by him being like, hey, and then the, you know, the big, mm-hmm. every, all the instruments come together and the kind of Christmas bells come in yes, and like yeah. all the stuff happens. Like it's very satisfying mm-hmm. as, as that moment of the song for yeah. sure. So yes, as Q is indicating, after the bridge, there's the final outro, and he's talking, saying, you know, it's not the same as it was, as it was, and yet the Christmas bells come in, and I guess they're, I guess they're church bells. Some people were calling it Christmas bells, some were saying wedding bells. They're tubular bells. You're in churches, and you can bang on them and stuff. I am very smart about bells. <laughs> And so it changes the context, right? And you, you, you talked about this before, but, but that kind of like the happier music underneath the song, not that it's been sad music, because generally this is like an up-tempo song, but there's, for, for this kind of happy backing track and this like decision being made towards the end of the song, it changes its context on, you know, it's not the same as it was to like a positive mm-hmm. aspect. And that doesn't necessarily mean like, again, like Grace said, there's so many layers to the song that I don't think necessarily means like the the kind of like eye rolling pandemic, like look on the positive mm-hmm. side of that. Like, I'm not saying that. Um, I think you can kind of apply that to all the different lenses that we've talked about throughout this about kind of you know, when things change, when there's sort of a transformation. Harry said this song is about metamorphosis, like when you were somewhere and then you changed and you and then you arrive at a different conclusion or, or a different conception of yourself. Like there's a sadness that's explored throughout a lot of the song and the fact that things are changing and that you have to get used to that change is sometimes it's difficult. And, you know, but then there's that happiness of like ending up at that end point where you can kind of look back on that journey and, and yeah, and so I think all that's kind of wrapped up in like the, the repeating of this this chorus, but but through a different lens here at the end. Yeah, definitely. Even like the, the diction in this chorus is stronger than in the other ones. Like he feels 
I guess, more alive in it, which I, I think is very interesting as a choice to, you know, make yourself a little muted in other parts of the song and then make yourself a little stronger in other parts just to set yeah, gravity's weighing you down. Yeah. A lot of the isolation stuff is very much like, yeah, it, it's subdued. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it's really nice and cathartic to have this moment of energy mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, that that kind of it's like it's also this like I think about the music video and I don't know I I just think about you know finding that moment for yourself too so not even mm-hmm. necessarily in in that connection but but just for yourself but I don't know yeah so there's there's a lot of things that we've discussed throughout there and we've definitely discussed it for long enough Jesus Christ yes. <laughs> um, so let it, so I think we've kind of discussed all the themes like throughout that whole lyrical yeah. analysis great was there anything that you think we missed or can we just get right into the sound no let's uh get into the sound all right great yeah so we've kind of touched on some of these things throughout but we just wanted to touch on you know the instrumentation the production so of course harry is on vocals in this song also songwriting and of course the tubular bells who could forget we've got kid harpoon on songwriting production bass guitar drum machine drums electric guitar and synth Tyler Johnson, songwriting, production, drum machine, piano, synth, Doug Showalter, electric guitar, percussion, and the beloved Mitch Rowland on drums. Yeah, so just a couple things to note here. We've got Harry noting in one of the interviews he did this past week that the song started off much slower as it was being written, that the piano line was kind of playing and then the synth came in. So yeah, I, I guess like just generally talking about the sounds of the song and, and those themes we talked about before, that doesn't surprise me at all mm-hmm. because the music is like more upbeat and fast than like maybe you would expect from the lyrics that are so centered around isolation and lack of communication. Mm-hmm. Like that that really kind of comes together for me. What what do you think, Ray? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I do think that there's sometimes this um, joke about songs that are upbeat, but then you listen to the lyrics and they're really sad. And I, I saw the perception around this song going around a lot on social media, and it is something that I do agree with to an extent. Um, I love a sad bop. Yeah, it's like a sad bop, you know. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of 80s songs are kind of sad bops i can it would be such a like depressing song if this had these lyrics and then also it was like mm-hmm. a dirge that was like <laughs> just had piano accompaniment like i'm very glad that that's not the vibe that we went for yeah so so just to talk about some of the instrumentation generally like i just wrote some quick notes on like the the musical moments of the song that kind of stick out to me so just like some of my favorite moments like i, I just first of all that just riff that's like throughout that just runs throughout the entire song like it's just Mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. catchy and good and so i think like the success of that song owes a lot to like that one specific riff and then i i kind of something that i heard listening to the song to prep for this this episode was like there's kind of like this spacey sound that like fills in Mm -hmm. some of the soundscape towards the beginning of the song that just kind of reminds me of that kind of like alienating gravity weighing you down like this weird kind of liminal space feeling that some of the lyrics in the music video have so i think that's kind of interesting to hear those like maybe they sound a little bit like voices but you don't know who they are what they're coming from so you've got that kind of like communication theme that runs through there as well i gotta just shout out that guitar riff in the background of the second verse because Mm -hmm. i just that was one of the first things when i like really listened to the song sat down and listened to it that i just that stood out to me that i really really liked 
yeah other than that i just thought the song built really naturally like i think sometimes you know we've talked about songs some of one direction's music that that didn't quite have that satisfying build where i feel like this song it starts at like a at a it's an upbeat song but it, it's not super high energy at the beginning you know it, he's not belting in like a high register at the beginning he starts out in like a lower register kind of like golden it reminds me a little bit of like mm-hmm. kind of in that like mellow lower register and then like towards the end you have that climax of the song where he's like really belting and it's really satisfying so yeah i just those were kind of the musical moments that like stuck out to me on it and then obviously there's of course the bridge which i just love and just fits really naturally into the song i think it's one of harry's best bridges so yeah i just it was really great just sitting down and like really listening to the song in detail for those little little moments that stood out so great what about like some of the vocal and diction stuff you noticed like did anything jump out at you that you want to talk about yeah so i guess one thing that i noticed was he like layers the chorus in such a way in the first two times he sings it where it feels like he's whispering the end of his lines I don't really, I don't really, I don't work in music production or anything, so I don't really know what he did to make it sound like that, but uh, it's definitely a deliberate choice because the last chorus doesn't sound like that. He makes it sound very clear, which I feel like sends a specific message about the song. He also mutes the bridge in a certain like editing way in the, um, in the description of this podcast. We're going to link to a YouTube video by somebody who produces music who talks about the way that this bridge is muted. Apparently, it's like a certain setting in software that a lot of like indie bands in particular in the 2010s used. And then when you when you put it over your voice, when you have like the regular voice come in, it gives it an extra kick. I guess Mm. that that to round out our conversation about the sound of it can lead kind of naturally into the uh, great decade debate ongoing about this song uh it's it's heated relationships are ending <laughs> among a very specific section of uh the the the, the critical <laughs> community the critical landscape is collapsing this has really shaken the establishment to its core um <laughs> his power truly is this an 80s song in the new wave genre or is it a 2010s indie song this is the question that has been pulsing through the brain of <laughs> international critics. Now, when I first heard the song, I immediately thought of Take On Me because in his advertisement for it, okay, so in his advertisement for it, he used the drum riff for Take On Me and it's not actually in the actual song. So he's clearly prompting you to be like, this is like the aha song. This is an 80s song. This is a new wave song. So then I started seeing later discourse that this was apparently like a 2010 song. And I listened to it a few more times. And like, I do think that it has some of the quirks of 2010s indie songs, particularly like the um, editing of the voice on the bridge kind of reminds me of like, it's not exactly the sound on Everybody Talks by the Neon Trees. Um, but I feel like they have some mm. songs even like that have that specific vocal effect. And I know when I was obsessed with eight tracks in like 2014, I heard like a thousand songs that use that sound. 
so I'm not I'm not a formal music critic myself. Quite obviously, I feel like it's obvious. But uh, <laughs> as a pretentious identified individual, I do come down on the side of this is an '80s song with some little 2010s spices thrown on it. But Harry is really specifically going for 80s sound and i think that also like the 2010 songs he's being compared to may have also been going for 80s sound so it's sort of like more convergent than like do you know what i mean i do i i will say i know so little about this particular question that i feel absolutely unqualified to weigh in so I'm glad that you can speak to it, and I encourage people to read reviews to come to their own conclusions, because I don't know enough about 2010's indie pop to have an opinion on this. I keep seeing people mention the band The War on Drugs, which is a band that I've never heard, but that I've seen so many times around now. I feel like not pretentious enough for not having heard the war on drugs. If anybody has heard the war on drugs, I would love to hear your feedback about war on drugs fans sound off. Yeah. War on drugs fans sound off in our, you know, email or comment or whatever, because allegedly it has some light dusting of the war on drugs in the song, but I haven't heard this band. (laughs) I have never even heard of this band. Yeah, but I guess that's all I have to say about the sound of the song, except for a thumbs up. Again, I don't know (laughs) what Harry put in the song to make it so addictive, but every time I listen to it, I can't listen to it only once. I say this in the most complimentary possible way. There are certain songs, and this does include what makes you beautiful in this category, (laughs) There are certain songs that just have it. You know what I mean? Where you listen to Mm. it and you're like, that was extremely catchy and I need to listen to it again. Like, it's it's like a potato chip. I I do feel like As It Was is much more nutritious than a potato chip. Like, maybe it's a potato chip, but it also has like, you know, it's one of those healthy potato chips or something. (laughs) But like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's got seeds on it. Yeah, it's got like seeds and grain and like like made of quinoa or something but like it still tastes really good i just feel like there are certain songs that capture this certain like earworminess that as it was has and i i was just thinking earlier today like trying to imagine sitting on this because i feel like if i were sitting on this i would know that this was gonna be huge because it's so like earwormy it gets into your brain like i can't i I can't imagine having to just like pretend you're you don't you're you're not like sitting on it and just being like (laughs) yeah i don't have uh as it was catchy song of 2022 up my butt right now it's uh not there you know wild and he has so much more that we will become aware of in the next two months i know it's crazy it's wild out here and over over the next I mean, hopefully, you know, Harry's house will be as successful and as good as Fine Line, because then we'll get like six music videos. And that was really fun. So uh, we'll have to see. That we will. All right. So with that, I think we're going to finally move into music video conversation. Listeners, we are now hitting 12.50 a.m. So I wish, like, sometimes I feel like we should be, like, higher energy, but then we always end up recording these podcasts at, like, midnight. So On a Thursday. 
<laughs> we're everything we do we do it for you <laughs> <laughs> you know it might not be the same as it was but this i think is gonna be just be our modus operandi forever so yeah. that's unfortunate but that's the way <laughs> we work so you know it is what it is all right so yeah let's get into the music video okay so this description of like the things that happen in the, in the music video for full disclosure is kind of adapted from a really really good billboard article describing the music video like we just kept returning back to the way that the author of this article described the music video so a lot of the things that we're going to say are their descriptions and we're just so grateful yeah, so check out the link yeah. in the description for the full article we we're just we're very very grateful that this person did such a nice write-up of it so thank you so uh sheathed in a long red coat harry steps through a doorway and emerges on the other side in a ruby sequin outfit he moves to the rotating platform in the center of the room brushes hands with a woman in a matching blue set Uh, Whenever he embraces the woman in blue, uh, wrapping his arms around her or shrinking his body into hers, it doesn't last beyond the beat of a second. They go on and on in the cycle, running in circles until eventually she slips away completely. Once he's on his own, we briefly return to Styles, sheltered in his red coat as he remembers a damning phone call. He begins to strip down to his briefs one article of clothing at a time, and without hesitation, those around him follow suit barring the woman in blue. It's only then that he's able to pull her tight against his chest for longer than a moment. He's done his part, but it doesn't last. As they're ultimately pulled apart by forces outside of their control, which is when you get to the visual of the painting being pulled apart and going from color to black and white, Styles falls back into the spinning platform's endless routine. He's a couple rotations in when the camera catches a shift in the singer's eyes, the freeing second when he realizes he can choose to end the futile chase. Detangled from his thoughts, he dances his way outside while unraveling in the chiming bells of the final chorus. In the final moments of As It Was, Styles bursts through the short gate separating him from where he was and where he's heading next, wherever that may be. He even leaves him open for any curious wanderers to follow suit, leading them forward with a heartening smile. I just thought that that ending there was like such a good way to recap the end of the video. Yeah. I just thought it was such a sweet notion and like a really good first music video to introduce an album cycle. You know, yeah. that like leaving the door open, follow me exactly. kind of image yes. is like, yeah, it's just perfect for that. Yeah, he's just he's just saying like, come in, we want you to know what the new stuff is. Um, so it's it's. It's very exciting. Yeah, I love it. So, Key, do you want to get into a little bit about the creative direction and the direction of this music video? So, yeah, so this music video is directed by Tanu Muinho, and that is a Ukrainian director, probably best known at this point for the music video Call Me By Your Name and or Montero by Lil Nas X. So Tanu said this about the music video, shooting him was bittersweet as it was one of the happiest days of my life, but on the second day of the shoot, my country, Ukraine, was invaded. So you can imagine the insane emotions we had while shooting. Me and my team from Ukraine poured so much love into this video and you can see it on screen. So first of all, just an important thing to say and like, you know, we'll get into this discussing the other creative collaborators but like several of the creative collaborators on this music video are are from ukraine and Mm -hmm. so obviously that wasn't something that was like known in the process of making the video but 
like they weren't chosen because of that but i to to watch this in the current context just kind of like adds another level of poignancy i guess mm-hmm. um and it's a beautiful video and tanu did a great job so mm-hmm. yeah just wanted to include a little bit from her and as we'll discuss particularly because so much of this team is ukrainian like a lot of the creators when talking about working on this video did mention that was at least a touch a touch point for them particularly the painter that we'll talk about later there's there's not a lack of people who are from ukraine the influence in this video it's it you know it's it's in there so yeah yeah totally in terms of other creative collaborators we have as usual with harry molly hawkins as the creative director yeah so just kind of as we go through this discussion we'll keep in mind that everything in this music video really is kind of guided by her hand and that the unity of her and Harry's vision certainly ties into the themes of Harry's house generally. So yeah, I so admire Molly Hawkins' work and like how she works with Harry Lambert and Harry Styles and like the that consistency of creative collaboration I feel like is just a hidden strength of Harry's work. And so yeah, I'd love to just give her some recognition here, even though I, I feel like I wish I knew more about like her specific influence and like how all these people interact with each other, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing to see. And then, of course, we have Mathilde Lynn, who is the dancer in the blue outfit in the video. And uh, Molly Hawkins, if you ever want to elaborate more on your collaboration <laughs> with Harry and you happen to be listening to We Blame Harry Styles as we speak, we would love to talk to you. <laughs> one of our one of our most engaged listeners, Molly Hawkins. So. One of our most engaged <laughs> listeners. Not super busy with uh, Harry Styles <laughs> demands at all. Uh, but yes, you are so wonderful and we love you if you ever hear this. Okay, so now we're going to do a dive into uh, the location and set and sort of the themes that we can draw from that. So this music video was filmed around a number of London landmarks, including the Central Hall of Camberwell's South London Gallery. That's where the spinning platform with the you know this the thing that looks like a record that they're dancing on is in and the brutalist gardens of the barbican center i i find it really interesting that these london landmarks which also include by the way uh the penguin pool from the london zoo uh all of these are very london centered very iconic london locations not in like the most like in an art hoe right like right. not in like the most obvious like he could have done it in front of like the london eye right. and like he didn't do that right so it's like you know he he did it in a way where people from london will know immediately what he means and i think that that's really neat especially because he released the single notoriously uk time instead of eastern standard time so he's really trying to for this rollout to center london center the uk as his home base um and i find that a really effective way to do that was with this focus on architecture we already all know that the that at least one of future music video was filmed in front of the buckingham palace so yeah so um, slightly more obvious that time right so we know that this is like a theme for harry's house generally or at least for the music videos to this date about harry's house and that he's trying to center this geographic point around here 
So great. So you actually had talked about something with me before that I found really interesting that I hadn't thought of, which is this kind of like interplay between the sort of 80s aesthetic of like some of the elements of the video then contrasted with some of the themes of the architecture. Like, do you want to kind of break that down for us? Yeah. So with this architecture, particularly the Barbican Center and the Penguin Pool, both are kind of situated in this early 20th century art movement they're they're both considered modernist to my understanding and i find it really interesting that harry has spent a lot of time in in the pandemic literally filming movies that are period pieces that take place in the mid 20th century now to be clear to our listeners that would be around the time when the modernist movement ends. So I'm not saying that it's like a one-to-one, like Mm. Harry filmed 50s movies. So that means that he's specifically seeking out like 50s architecture because like the Penguin Pool, for example, was built in in the 30s. But like it it was still being used around that era. Do you know what I mean? Like early 20th and mid 20th century, It's kind of like where his artistic fixations, I feel, are in the music video. And that's kind of reflected Mm -hmm. in his, you know, acting career as well. Um, So I find that interesting, if not not necessarily like a one-to-one relationship. On top of that, we have Harry wearing this outfit that we will talk about more in a little bit, where Arturo Obegado talks about how it's kind of like disco-y and it's just this very, very bright, you know, outfit. And I feel like it, it gives it like this, you know, late 70s, early 80s feel. And he's placing this in the context of this, you know, modernist architecture. And I feel like it, it gives visually the sense of being out of place, out of time. No, I totally agree. And I think it makes it, it just reminds me of in the beginning of the video too, when like the other people are kind of like, they're wearing much more muted tones. Him and the the yeah. female dancer in the video are both in these like really bright outfits. Like I think, yeah, there there is, it's like, first of all, there's like, it's just you, it's the you and me versus the world thing. It's the, it's just us thing about like, they're in these kind of like matching outfits and yeah. everybody else is in this kind of more muted garb but then yeah it's that that time that that decades man out of time thing as well which i think totally dovetails with like the isolation alienation stuff we had talked about before and i guess what i was trying to get at too is when he enters the gallery with this woman the gallery itself like i know it's old but it it looks like it's been renovated or like it look it looks newer than the architecture that's viewed as outside, which is the Barbican Center. And it looks newer than the Penguin Pool. And at some point, he stops dancing inside of this gallery and he takes himself out into the brutalist gardens, out into this Mm. modernist architecture. And he looks very free and very comfortable. So I feel like it's kind of like, he talks about metamorphosis in the song. And so here he is in this huge, at the beginning of the song, in this huge, like, overcoat and very standing out. He goes and he kind of strips down into this more, like, private space where he feels like he fills in, where he feels like he fits in a little bit 
more, mm-hmm. he eventually breaks a certain cycle enough to leave that space and re-enter into the space a different person than he was before. So I do feel like mm-hmm. there's a very like clean sort of narrative that you can pull through where you know there there is a theme of becoming more like comfortable with being different and like having internalized and grown from certain experiences. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it totally makes sense. And as we kind of lead out of this section on like the architecture and sets and like the that element of the video, I just want to say that the penguin enclosure just like looks really sick. Like yeah. <laughs> like whoever did the location scouting for that, like it's just a really cool image. Yeah, it's awesome. And I I do I do find it interesting to have pulled that specific iconic location because you know it's not obviously a zoo exhibit if you are not familiar with it oh yeah i had no right but like people who are from the uk and from europe were like instantly recognizing it you probably would immediately understand that this is like a metaphor for like being very visible you know and especially because he's stripping down in that in that part of the song and he's like looking right at the camera it's almost a little on the nose for him to be placed in a in a zoo exhibit. Mm. But at the same time, it's on the nose in a way where like people from the UK are going to get it. And then people who are maybe not from it. But people who have been to that right. place would get it, but people who haven't. Right. Yeah. And I, I do think that, you know, there's, you know, we don't have time to dig and dig and dig. But there is something to be said that he has, you know, even indicated himself. That there's this whole dynamic between him and, you know, the British press and stuff, too. Um, And so I feel like there's a lot of like, a lot of history there in him saying, yes, you are seeing me that I understand that this is a certain context that you're seeing me in. And I'm also like, in this context, I know that you're looking and I'm allowing you to see it. So I, I do feel like that's such like a cool little Easter egg. And it, it does add something I feel to the interpretation to understand where he is and i do i do feel like that that comes down to again as we reiterate the centering of london as his home okay so now we're going to talk about the paintings in the music video yeah so this is my favorite this is my favorite set of images in the whole video i think like this part with them lying on the ground and he's in the box of reefs and she's still in the kind of like jumpsuit but it's like a top and pants you know and they're both on the ground and then they're like pulled apart yeah it's just it's it's really great um yeah and it's the paintings are just really beautiful so that's it's a super striking image in my opinion yeah Masha Riva is a Ukrainian artist and art director. She worked on the paintings for, I guess what I'll call the As It Was coloring book sequence. She described the painting as a a magic forest and made sure to let us all know on Instagram that Harry took the painted set home, which I just think is adorable. Jealous. Yes, adorable. I don't know. I think the, the paintings are very beautiful she describes it as a painted forest but i find it interesting that there's a lot of like very human colors you know pinks and peaches and the blue and and red matching the uh, woman and harry's outfits and that sort of sort of thing I, i i feel like there's very much a humanity to her forest 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I guess my question is bouncing to you. Uh, what do you think about this sequence, especially since you like it so much? Yeah, I think like it's tough to talk about this without talking about this other image that we have here, which is the 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 part of the video where there's kind of like these like what do we call what would you call it like wires like yeah. what what's the They're best pins yeah or wires or something yeah being placed over Harry and and the dancer in the video, um, which is a reference to Charles and Ray Eames who were influential industrial designers. Can you tell that I'm reading from a quote from an article here? Um, Charles and Ray Eames were a husband and wife pair who greatly influenced the intersection of architecture, manufacturing, and fine art. The couple was famous for emphasizing functionality and design. Anytime one or more things are consciously put together in a way they can accomplish something better than they could have accomplished individually, this is an act of design, he said. So yeah, so, so I think like to kind of so there's this the reason why we're spending time in this is because like it's the most obvious visual reference i yeah. think the most direct besides the choreography which we'll get into in a minute like as a singular image it's like just a very direct visual reference and so i i think at least in the in the in the video this functions as a kind of like like as we talk about these themes of like communication in a relationship and obstacles and like how communication can be an obstacle in a relationship and all these other also external obstacles in relationships like i think having them on the ground like that their hands kind of touching and then with the things placed on top of them and they then get literally pulled apart mm -hmm. like i think obviously that that's reminiscent of like yeah those things we've talked about before that that communication breaking down the difficulty in connecting with somebody the barriers that exist there but yeah i just think that that image of like the colorful painting behind them that gets pulled apart to reveal the kind of black and white underneath is just so powerful and it just, yeah, it just makes me think of like the things we were talking about before and like the different obstacles in communication and in the choreography is they, they're constantly reaching to, towards each other, but then they're stopped and they can't fully stand there and just like be with each other. It's like, it's that same thing. It's that obstacles, things getting in the way. Yeah. And I, and I think this is to, to combine this with this kind of like Matisse-like, you know, vibrant, painting that has so much movement i think is just like a really beautiful way to reflect that yeah and i i find that when you mention movement masha riva herself has talked about movement and how much she thinks it's a necessary part of her thinking process she says when i move my thoughts speed up it's hard to imagine a world without the rhythm of emotions we feel when we're on the go um i do find that contrast to be interesting with a song about like feeling very stuck you know i and, and yeah, feel, gravity holding and you gravity back holding like you back yeah. and like so many conflicting things happening around you and the world like jerking you around you know it's kind of understanding this existence as a person in stasis with something moving so much ar around you um i feel like that that symbolism is is very powerful here you know feeling very stuck and pinned down to this chaos uh, <laughs> i definitely have been there <laughs> yeah so i guess that that's all i have to say about about that all right yeah so why don't we get into kind of the costuming and that aspect of the video so first i will say uh hello vine right polish uh I, I don't really think that there's any significance other than harry Meow Meow CEO, he is he is moving up in the world wearing his own product. We stand, I think. 
do we stand? <laughs> do we stand Harry CEOifying? I feel neutral. The CEOification of Harry Styles. I do not stand, and I do not not stand. I'm, <laughs> I'm the neutral party in this case. <laughs> it's like him, uh, it, you know, in in the in the bimboification image, except for like it, he he drops his book and then he stands up and he's wearing like a business suit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like questioning that and I was like, where are you going with this? But I liked what we did. That was worth it. That was worth the lead up. All right. Yeah, but we, okay. we so uh, yes. why don't we get into the Arturo um Ovejero's look here because I think it's yeah, I love this look. So Harry's ensemble for the music video was made with dead stock sequins and jersey in red. Uh, the pattern for Harry's custom look is based on Arturo Obejero's signature noir quarrel sleeveless top design and signature uh, Gade's high-waisted flare trousers. And he A lot of proper nouns in here, so we just want to say that if we pronounce things incorrectly, we're sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he also wore a pretty iconic uh, Bianca Saunders fall 2022 coat. And he wore a little scarf moment, and that's Dries von Noten. This is very London to me. Yeah. So the most obvious thing to say here is that Harry Lambert, like, had said the Grammys outfits of, like, the last mm-hmm. era were, were going to carry through and, like, be kind of a hint of a visual taste of the next era. And then, of course, we have, like, this boa-like scarf moment in the beginning of this video so i think that's kind of like the through line there and him taking it off later in the video too just like at the grannies exactly um and then also this is just very london to me like i don't know if you live in london you listen to this podcast like laugh at me and laugh it up all you want i did live there but not for very long so i can't claim uh status but like I live in a city that gets much, much colder than London, and so our winter outfits are not this fashionable because you know you're covered in eight hundred million layers because you don't want snow to reach your bottom layer. But this kind of like long—it's not a trench coat, but like that kind of look is very like you know after Sherlock first aired and everybody went and got like long, like long coats like this to like walk around this the cityscape. Don't like, attack that's, that's me like I this. Get. Don't attack me like that. I knew that. you'd relate to that on that level. No. I knew that's how I can. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a great, yeah, it's a great outfit. And um, yeah, I the, wow, the the jumpsuit that's maybe not a jumpsuit is, it's, it's another one of those like Harry music video looks where you're like, all right, when people dress up as Harry for Halloween, like this is going to be a popular oh, option. Oh, yes, absolutely. This may become the most popular option that he's ever done because this is probably going to be his most popular song to date and it's very distinct yeah so in terms of what arturo said about this uh it's all about the lines of the body that's one of the reasons that styles and his team called me they were really about the body there's no big volumes no ruffles nothing extravagant we wanted we decided we wanted something graphic sexy and playful he mentioned disco and he said although red and blue are complementary they're often seen as opposite like fire and ice or passion and apathy it's a visual duality that made perfect sense for this project so that was kind of what he had to say about the outfits yeah i find it really interesting that it's like it's about the body there's no big volumes no ruffles nothing extravagant i feel like that kind of reminds me 
in some ways of how people even dressed when they were isolated, where it was just like a lot of people said that they were dressed simply even like even when they wanted to be a little decorative some days you know they were still like wearing these very like simple clothes um a lot of people felt like they got more in touch with their bodies at that time yeah i don't know what do do you think about this jumpsuit key well i think it has it it has a lot to do with like the kind of vulnerability Mm-hmm. stuff that we were talking about before in terms of like and you know the the video very obviously deals with this like burying yourself like physically taking your clothes mm-hmm. off and making yourself vulnerable and like sadly in the music video the other person doesn't do that but like there's this great like i think that great moment of connection in the video where harry like takes those clothes off and then like hugs her and like mm-hmm. yeah so like I think the the outfit kind of in all those layers kind of like works to facilitate that in the video in a really nice way. And yeah, I I really liked what Arturo said here with the red and the blue, because I think he's totally right. Like, I I just like this, this video is such a visual feast that those like bright colors are such a big part of that. And I love it's like such a striking image that bright red with like the turquoise yes, absolutely. Uh, of the background of that scene. And it's just like an image that I know I will, I will remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I thought that that kind of like visual duality with all the things we've been talking about before about like communication, and the push and pull and like, it's, it's just us. Like it pulls together really well. Yeah. I mean like the red and blue were distinct enough that there was like, a theory going around for a bit that it was a reference to the matrix which i feel like i may disappoint some listeners by saying it's not a theory that i agree with um and when when the designer came out saying oh it's because of the complementary colors that is an interpretation that i agree with more than the matrix interpretation necessarily does that doesn't tend to be the kind of reference that i've seen harry make in his work before it's not impossible but yeah it's not that that visual reference is is not something that strikes me as like the 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 first thing that would come to my mind yeah and then i think here too uh again as we talked earlier i do feel like this bright color seeks to make harry stand out totally and like, you know, in, in the opening scene, like the other people are wearing more, I guess, drab clothes. And like the architecture that he's around is gray. And, you know, I, f- I feel like it's just sort of an acknowledgement of who he is as a person is this very colorful person. And also recognition of that he understands how he's seen. And I feel like, I don't know, there's obviously a lot of conversation about that all the time. <laughs> um, and so I, I feel like there's a lot wrapped up in the con- the concept of Harry being more vulnerable, this album cycle, which again, he also, he seems to be growing a lot as a person every few years. So I know a lot of people, you know, joke on him that he, oh, he said he's more vulnerable this album cycle than the last one. Well, he probably is like that's what getting older is you know gray just say it just say that i said that okay just own that you're subtweeting your fellow podcast host right now two hours into our recording yes i am subtweeting key i'm subtweeting key he's, he's <laughs> i have me. been known to poke a little gentle fun at the repeated <laughs> 
quotes that recur throughout every single interview, which, you know, everybody needs, everybody needs those, but it is fun, funny and fun. As no, it to is. It, it is fun to be like, oh my God, Harry, you're saying that this album is more vulnerable than the last one. I'm so, <laughs> revolutionary. it's revolutionary. But like, I do think that, you know, it's, it's funny. I feel like as a creator myself, it, there is sometimes only so much that you can say about your, how your life is affecting your work itself. Totally. Um, and so I, I do feel like the signal that he, this album is vulnerable in a different way um, is very genuine. And I feel like as Her- Harry as a cultural figure has been through the ringer in the past few years. So I feel like this acknowledgement at the end where he is kind of in this, you know, he, he is in this place where he's this man out of time and he's wearing this outfit that really makes him stand out, um, but he's also okay with it. I feel like that is definitely an extremely visual representation that he understands how he is seen and that he is okay with it. Yeah, that's an interesting interpretation. I guess that's not how I thought about it. Like yeah. I, Like when you said the thing about how they're kind of dressed in a drab manner, that to me reminds me of like the it's just us lyric thinking about him and the dancer in the video being the only ones who are dressed that way and their outfits mirror each other so it's kind of like the way that unites Uh them against or in contrast to everybody else that's in the video um no and that's that's how that's how i feel too i i just think that it's like 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 i said earlier in the in the analysis i think that it's useful to view this song as both a conversation about a relationship and a conversation about what the singer is trying to communicate to us and about shared experience and persona as well. So I I feel like, yes, I, I agree with you there, but then I also think this other thing. Yeah, and like let let the let us bring is us into the choreography portion because I think like a lot of the stuff that we just said is going to be echoed throughout this too. So like obviously the main thing to mention here is the choreography of this music video, you know, the constant dance on that center platform is directly inspired by an art film that was made by French director Johan Bourgeois who choreographed as it was. So he's credited for the choreography on the music video. So basically Johan works a lot with this kind of concept of like a platform and um, performers on a rotating stage where they kind of run forward in hopes of perpetual motion only to find that they constantly remain in the same place that they started. Um, Yeah, so Bourgeois on this kind of concept said, I'm trying to generate empathy from the audience. The essential question is one of relationships. I'm considering the idea that as beings, we are about relationships. So yeah, it kind of brings together all the things we talked about before about like, you know, the son and the father relationship, the romantic relationship, Uh the goddaughter, like, you know, kind of that Johan's work explores these similar themes that that we've been talking about this whole episode. So um, yeah, great. Was there anything in there about like how you feel this choreography like reflects the theme of the song? Yeah, I guess one thing that's very notable that stands out to me is in the great ghosts the characters on the platform when you look at when you look at the excerpt from that film that this choreography is clearly inspired by the characters don't escape the platform and to my knowledge they don't escape the platform in his other works but in Mm. as it was both the female dancer and Harry eventually escape. So, 
and, and it's not like an easy escape. Both the woman and Harry have a pretty messy escape from the platform, I would say. <laughs> they tumble onto the floor. Uh, it's very stressful, but they both become free of this perpetual motion machine. Um, and I do think that when you know the origin of this choreography makes for a pretty powerful statement about the ability to break cycles and the ability to change, which I think is very, I think is very hairy. I feel like Harry seems to have a very deep connection to the idea that people can change and can become improved versions of themselves and improve their relationships. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I I think that's interesting. And I think like, I don't know, there's just something, yeah, there's so there's something so happy about that moment. And just the way that after seeing the whole video of like him being sad and like, like, yeah, that in those in those final moments of the video to see him kind of break free of that cycle. And yeah, the happiness of those like exuberant dance moves that he's doing Mm -hmm. there at the end and like, pushing himself across the floor like and that movement just works really well with the song it works really well with with that that the music that's behind it the bells everything like it all it all comes together to work together really well mm-hmm. oh and his form in his ballet steps oh my goodness he's so cute harry you're so cute i love you <laughs> this is what happens when we record a podcast at almost two in the morning folks 41 a.m folks but we will be taking it out of here soon that is all i have to say about the choreography key do you have any other thoughts on the choreography not really i think we should get into these closing thoughts questions here at the end so do you think that this is the right way to debut this era i mean i think looking at the success of the song (laughs) undoubtedly it was everything you said before coming back with the statement of like things are different than it was before is like exactly the right tone to strike on the new era i think yeah i love the visual direction of it i love the synth pop direction of it i'm excited to see how that plays in with everything in the future but yeah i think undoubtedly everybody's super hyped now it the first single did probably better than i ever would have assumed so i think it speaks to like a, a real demand that's built up over the past year for Harry as an artist and through the success of Watermelon Sugar and through the success of Love on Tour. It's like everything seems to have kind of snowballed right now. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're at kind of a perfect moment for, for a, a real hit song right now. So I think he timed it really well. Yeah, I think so too. With this sounding, you know, in the genre that is like, popular on the on the radio right now which is kind of this new wave sound like i i I never want to say that harry like made a new wavy song because he thought that it would be popular like i don't think that harry is like that kind of person i do imagine that like when this song started to be leaning into new wave he was like Wait a second, because Columbia was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I, I know that when I've, you know, made projects and stuff before, when it's happened to when I've made it and it's happened to be like, I've realized, oh, this is something that like a lot of people like, and that's going to hit real well. I'm like, oh, yes, for once, my interests converge with other people, <laughs> uh, which when you when you're uh, when you're a little weirdo. Uh, is very powerful. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, uh, I'm, I'm very happy for him to have his little 
new wave moment. I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think the rest of this era might look like based on this song? Do you think it's indicative of things to come or that the single will be unique? I think, uh, yeah, I'm really, really curious about this. With the Rob Sheffield piece that gave us like, you know, a couple of words to, to think about what the albums could sound like. I wouldn't say that the album cover gives me like synth pop vibes, mm -hmm. really. So I'm really curious to see if the following songs are going to replicate that or what that's going to be like. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I am so fucking curious what <laughs> all the music is going to sound like that we're yeah. going to get. And I'm so excited to get it. Yeah, I'm really curious too. I do think thematically, I think a lot of the themes that have been brought up in this song, I think are definitely going to play out throughout the rest mm -hmm. of the album and, and recur in different ways i think for sure so yeah, that i think is definitely a precursor yeah no i agree i agree all right well i think that that's all i have to say about that so why don't we move into the outro keith are you looking forward to non-hairy things book movie tv recs one non-hairy thing bringing you joy in these difficult times yeah so i just want to shout out a movie that i saw called Parting Glances. Great movie. Yeah, Gray and I and our friend Ava, who has been on the show before, um, <laughs> watched it together. I've actually seen it twice in like the last four days. Um, it's a movie that is like about a queer friend group of people that takes place in New York City in the year it came out in 1986. And it stars Steve Buscemi. And it's just like, I don't know, what do I even say about it? Just go watch it. It's like the quality, if you go, so to watch it, you're probably going to go to Amazon Prime and you're going to have to subscribe to this like weird thing that you're going to get a free trial of and immediately cancel after you watch Make it. Make sure you cancel it. Make sure you cancel <laughs> the trial. It's just like the quality, like the actual film quality, because it's not the digital version of the film is not restored. It's not amazing, but the movie itself is just so great and it's just i would really recommend it it's just one of those movies where it's like i mourn that there weren't 50 more of these films that exist and it's just queer like friendship sort of rom-com sort of drama it's like it's just it's a great great movie um so i would really recommend you checking it out especially if you have an interest in like the queer new wave of like the the 90s and kind of some of those precursor films in the 80s so yeah definitely something to be on the lookout for what about you gray uh well Yesterday evening, I was supposed to see Mika in concert, uh, who I was originally supposed to see two years ago before the pandemic. And then Tragic. Mika, and not only Mika, but apparently it seems many of his crew and like fellow musicians all got sick all at the same time and had to postpone for an entire week. Um, so I will allegedly be going to Mika this coming Tuesday, <laughs> uh, and we'll have to see, we'll have to see how that turns out. I, I really hope that it works out because I've been wanting to see him obviously for years. And, um, I think listeners will know that I've recommended his music on this podcast before. I can't remember if I recommended The Origin of Love. I, I'm pretty sure I recommended No Place in Heaven. But yeah, I listen to anything of his. He's wonderful. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. 
All right. Well, we're going to move into kind of the our, our outro messages here, but I just wanted to say um, that I'm just super excited to be breaking down the lead single of this new album with you and for our listeners. And I cannot wait to hear the album and see all the new future things that we're going to get. And I hope that even though we have not been screaming from the rooftops this entire episode because it is indeed two in the morning and I'm already very self-conscious about my roommates hearing me <laughs> record this podcast in the middle of the night. Yeah, I just, I'm feeling really good about it and I'm just very anticipatory of all the things that we have to talk about in the future. So thank you all so much for listening. You can contact us at WeBlameHarryStyles at gmail.com on Twitter and Tumblr. We can be found at HarryStylesPod. Let us know what you think of the show. And one great way to do that is to rate and review our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. We'd so appreciate it if you took a second and gave us a rating if you enjoy it. Subscribe to us on your preferred podcast host and ring the bell on Spotify to become notified of our next episode. Thank you for listening and talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Come on.